0: Welcome to the Root Cause Revolution podcast with functional and integrative nurse nutritionist and energy medicine practitioner, Audrey Christie. Hey, friend, how many people do you know that are on statins, cholesterol-lowering medication? That's what we're getting into today in episode 304 of the Root Cause Revolution podcast. If we haven't met, hi, I'm Audrey. And I am so excited you're here. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm a root cause clinician and I specialize in helping women to stop masking symptoms, start healing from chronic issues, autoimmune diseases, all of those things. I work with many people who have tried it all and still aren't at the level of health and wellness that they desire and more importantly, deserve. So if you're tired of Band-Aids and ready for real healing solutions, you are in the right place. Today, like I said, we're talking about statins in a way we have never talked about statins before. Do you get annual physicals? You know, more and more often people are walking away from those appointments meant to assess your wellness with a prescription for statins. I ran a poll on Instagram recently and 100% of my almost 4,000 followers knew someone or multiple someones who were on a statin. Yeah, and statins are cholesterol lowering drugs. And while I am 100% against statins, which we'll dig into here later in this podcast, I think it's important for you to know going in that I am definitely a practitioner that takes a yes and approach to medication. There is absolutely a time and place where medication is needed for acute issues, critical issues, life saving issues, where it fails, where it's not useful is in chronic issues or issues to which science has been skewed, (laughs) you know, and or the drug is just wrong. It's also not useful for lifestyle problems. So today we're going to dig into cholesterol, why you should not, should not be scared of it, how the fear of cholesterol is a trillion dollar, maybe more, uh, because those are kind of old numbers, annual business. And we will talk a little bit about Um, what you should and shouldn't worry about instead of cholesterol and how you can fix that because statins don't even do a good job of masking the symptoms of high cholesterol, much less improve your risk uh, of a a cardiac event. Now, (laughs) important note, did you know that our health as a species, as a human species is declining? We are in an obesity epidemic. Medical clinical de- decision making and even nutritional science is heavily influenced by vested interest of the two big F's. One of them is really a Ph, but it sounds like F. Big pharma and big food. Let that sink in a minute. Medical clinical decision making and nutrition science is influenced by the vested interest of big pharma and big food. So if we continue to move down that same path, continue on our current trajectory, if you will, Humans' health will only get worse. And it is getting worse. It's gotten worse over the last decade, two decades, particularly in America, but also in heavily Americanized regions throughout the world. In America, we've lost two whole years off of our life expectancy. And on top of that, the end of our lives as Americans are riddled with chronic disease. Our health as a human species is regressing, is moving backwards. And I think a lot of people would find it very interesting how much influence big food and big drug companies have on the way that many of us have thought and were raised on both health and nutrition. It's everything from curriculum and medical schools to studies that are published and, you know, taken as gospel, to policy, to the World Health Organization, all directly influenced uh, by big pharma and big food. 19 out of 20 members of the committee that determined the 20 through 2025 dietary guidelines have financial ties to pharma and big food. With ILSI, the International Life Sciences Sciences Institute being the largest. Think of the ads on TV. Even our ads on TV are programmed by food companies and pharmaceutical companies. These entities have zero interest in your health. They are there to profit, period. And they do that through some fairly deliberate deception. Um, and sadly, it's pretty well legal and acceptable, right? And you might be thinking, like Audrey, get off your soapbox. What does this have to do to, with cholesterol? And you're right. I am on a bit of a soapbox, <laughs> and I'm going to do a whole um, podcast on all of the things that I'm talking about here. But let's talk about what that has to do with cholesterol. Let's think back. I'm going to tell you a story that took place around 1920 to 1960. During during those 40 years, there was a huge uptick in heart disease in the U.S. And this was, I mean, honestly, full transparency. Before we realized that tobacco was such an issue as it is smoking clearly played a role in heart disease, but we're just looking, you know, at the nutritional side of things alone here. And we'll talk more about that later. There were two lead scientists, one Ansel Keys, American uh, physiologist. He thought that saturated fat was the main driver of cholesterol and heart disease. The other scientist was John Yetkin from Britain. And he thought that sugar was the main factor in heart disease. Ultimately keys won that battle. Um, (laughs) <laughs> not not based on the science, if you go back and look at the studies, it was actually John Yutkin's study that was uh, in favor of sugar being the cause of heart disease that was legitimized, true, like from a scientific statistical standpoint. Ansel Keys was not, but Keys ultimately won a public relations battle to change the dietary guidelines. Now, this happened, again, not because the information the data, the science pointed to cholesterol and saturated fat as the issue. But because the sugar industry lobbied, it was very powerful and it supported Keys. And they were able to discredit Yutkin on a, on a public relations uh, arena, in the public relations arena. And so that resulted in dietary guidelines in the United States and the U.K., Um, around 1977, changing to limit 30% of calories from fat and less than 10% of them from saturated fat. This resulted in people automatically increasing their carbohydrates. Then the food industry swoops in, takes advantage of this and starts marketing low fat frankenfoods, Fat was really replaced with sugar and artificial sugars and short sugar processed sugar products, but they were ultimately ultra processed, low quality carbs. And as a result, now we have a skyrocketing obesity epidemic. Now, When the evidence became even more clear that excess sugar consumption and now low-quality ultra-processed foods were an issue, the WHO, the World Health Organization, was about to change its guidance to limit sugar consumption to less than 10% of the calories. But, this was back when uh, George Bush Jr. was president, but the U.S. government under George Bush Jr. threatened to withdraw all of its funding from the WHO. Do you know why? Because Coca-Cola lobbied the government. So guess what happened? The WHO didn't change their guidance. Eventually, there was an endocrinologist that reawakened the original research by Yutkin and was able to get some guidelines changed. This was in the early 2000s. So now the guidelines are 10% or less of the diet can be sugars and carbs, and less than 5% of that should be actual sugar or sugar byproducts. Now, those guidelines line up with 22 teaspoons of sugar a day. 22 teaspoons of sugar a day. And you're eating within the standard American guidelines from our World Health Organization. Do you know where heart disease and metabolic risk start to increase significantly? At six, six tablespoons of sugar a day. Three times, uh, more than three times less than the recommendation. Actual evidence is that even though the recommendation is 22 teaspoons a day, and it should be around six, that the average intake for an average American is 30 to 40 teaspoons of sugar a day. No wonder we have an obesity epidemic in children and adults. Now, in the same vein category, we know that sugar, not honey, but sugar, not fruit, but sugar, and also ultra-processed forms causes heart disease. We know what, not co- what does not cause heart disease as well, saturated fat, and it, it doesn't worsen your cholesterol profile because it also raises HDL too. Overall, cholesterol itself has been grossly exaggerated as a risk factor for heart disease. So moving alongside this upswing in heart disease, this upswing in eating sugar, we also have the introduction of seed oils. Did you know that most of the seed oils that you see in food process today, so cottonseed oil, safflower, sunflower, soy, canola oil, started as machine lubricants, <laughs> machine lubricants in factories. Uh, And Procter & Gamble decided at some point that, well, we can feed these to people and it's cheap, right? We can use these as ingredients in our food in place of lard and other things, and it's cheap. Well, how did we get here with these rancid inflammatory omega-6 oils becoming highly recommended as heart healthy? Procter & Gamble gave a donation uh, to the American Heart Association. It was the equivalent of $20 million in today's dollars. They made this donation uh, in 1961, and at that time, the AHA, AHA, the American Heart Association, miraculously came out with the advice to limit saturated fat, and animal fat, that is, and increase omega-6 seed oil fats, right? The 1961 AHA advice is arguably the single most influential nutrition policy ever published. It came adopted first by the U.S. government as official policy by all Americans. And then in 1980, all governments around the world adopted it as well through the World Health Organization. Now, (laughs) interestingly, they were paid off to distribute this information, right? That's what I was saying. The AHA accepted in today's dollars what would be the equivalent of $20 million from Procter & Gamble, the company that makes and sells Crisco. The AHA recommends that everyone replace butter with quote-unquote heart-healthy vegetable alternatives like vegetable oil or Crisco oil. So despite the Heart Association's advice, the original core clinical trials on saturated fats that happened in the 60s and 70s could not find an impact of these fats on cardiovascular mortality, total mortality, and for the most part, heart attacks or other events. Results from these trials, other studies on saturated fats were ignored and suppressed. And the famous Framingham study said it couldn't find a link between saturated fats and heart disease. The government funded result was never published. Another major study with contrary results was also not published. And it was a 17 year long study. But here we are with cholesterol vilified and companies raking in trillions of dollars. For what? For what amounts to? You ready? That statin drug that maybe you're on or your family member's on or your friends on, your statin drug has a total decrease from the drug company's own papers, a total g- decrease in cholesterol of less than 10% for medicated patients. And why are you on that dr- cholesterol-lowering drug to improve cardiovascular health? Well, you are, taking, you are experiencing a whopping 1% at best reduction in heart attack risk, right? <laughs> So you're reducing your overall cholesterol by less than 10%. If you're one of the top ones that it works for, and you're reducing your heart attack risk by 1%. So what is cholesterol, this evil villain of cholesterol? Well, it is a fat like waxy substance. It is in all the cells in your body. And it's manufactured and secreted by the liver. Here's the thing, it's super necessary. It's absolutely critical in your human suit for things like brain function, immune health. And you know those, those things are true, even though it has been vilified as something to be scared of. In your body, cholesterol is a precursor to the creation of vitamin D. It's a precursor for hormones. It's a precursor for hormones that break down fats and carbs and proteins so that your body can use them appropriately. Your brain needs cholesterol to be floating around because it helps to create really important neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine. When cholesterol is low, it impairs your growth, digestion, reproduction, injury repair, adaptation to stress, fighting off infections. Cholesterol also waterproofs your skin by keeping your body fluids inside, where they belong, it keeps you from dehydrating into a human prune. And it keeps your brain healthy. Keeping your brain healthy actually requires a massive amount of of cholesterol and limiting your brain's ability to make cholesterol, like using a statin drug or any cholesterol lowering drug, visibly shrinks it, they can scan do brain scans and see it visually shrinking. Most doctors will uh, attribute a reduction in someone's brain size to dementia or Alzheimer's. So if cholesterol is so important for all of these things, then how did it get such a bad rep? Simple, right? We talked about it. The AHA started calling cholesterol bad when companies using vegetable oils started making big donations. Vegetable oils are prone to oxidation. Promoting them has caused millions of deaths. The AHA failed to publish evidence of the harms of vegetable oil uh, and and vegetable oil consumption in any of their dozen or so professional journals. And frankly, doctors don't know the history of cholesterol theory. They don't know the history of the cholesterol theory as it relates to heart disease. And so, you know, unbeknownst to them, they're probably doing more harm than they know. Now, as you may have heard me say before, the goal of reducing cholesterol levels is mostly a pointless effort. Statins only actually reduce cholesterol levels less than 10%. For most people, it's around 2%, right? 2%. So despite the inaccuracy of cholesterol and the fear of cholesterol, it has become a cultural norm, which has people asking me, you know, do cholesterol levels even matter? And the truth of the matter is, is they might, but not in the way you think. It is not often discussed, but there are decades and decades of high quality studies showing that people with lower cholesterol have increased deaths by cancer, pneumonia, and other infections and dementia. All of those things are more common among people with lower cholesterol, while higher cholesterol is actually protective against death from these uh, conditions. So (laughs) some people would attribute that to good cholesterol versus bad cholesterol. And there's a lot of talk about my good cholesterol is this and my bad cholesterol is that. Here's the thing. It's all just cholesterol. The idea that there is such thing as good cholesterol and bad cholesterol is simply fictitious. It is a fiction manufactured to manipulate consumer behavior and nothing more. In fact, the evidence suggests that if anything, on a seed oil free diet, higher HDL and LDR are protective against cancer and infection, including the one that everybody worried about for three years, Right. HDL stands for high-density lipoprotein. It's the one people usually call the good cholesterol. Again, cholesterol is cholesterol. Um, I've heard a cool reference for it, and I think I've shared it with you before. You can think of it like a hybrid car. It's small. It drives around, picks up cholesterol particles, and takes them to the liver for disposal. The LDL, which is what most people call the bad cholesterol, is more like a suburban or like a big passenger van. It transports cholesterol from the liver to the peripheral tissues for uptake and metabolism by cells. LDL picks up the loads that HDL can't, right? Because we have a little hybrid versus a big Suburban or a big passenger van. So it has the ability to oxidize in the arteries. And that creates sticky areas that catch calcium fatty deposits, fibrous stuff, and turns them into those plaques that lead to heart disease. Now, the important part here, the kicker here is that, and it's really key to losing the fear around cholesterol and learning to love your LDL actually lies in understanding that only oxidized LDL causes heart attacks and strokes, right? Let me say that again. Only oxidized LDL causes heart attacks and strokes. Regular healthy LDL does not damage your arteries, does not build up in fatty plaques, meaning no matter how high your LDL is, If none of your LDL is oxidized, you won't get heart attacks or strokes. And on the flip side of that, no matter how low your LDL is, if it's oxidized, you will be predisposed to heart attacks and strokes. It's not about the amount of cholesterol that you see on the lab number. It's about the oxidation of cholesterol. And we'll talk more about that with the seed oil information in the next episode. Hopefully this information is beginning to seep in, to open up a door, to help you understand that your cholesterol number alone does not matter. And armed with this information, you know, you now know that cholesterol pills don't help anything because lowering your cholesterol does not fix this issue. This issue is oxidation, no matter how high your LDL, no matter how low your LDL If it is oxidized, you will get heart attacks and strokes. And if it is not oxidized, you won't. And, you know, kind of the pushback to that tends to be, well, what if you wanted to be safe? Just an extra layer of security. And here's the thing. Taking statins are not benign safety nets. And, you know, moreover, bless your doctor's heart, he he doesn't know he's probably taking a statin too. So the reason not to take a statin, even as a safety net, besides the fact we've already covered that they don't work, they're ineffective, and the whole reason they were created is built on a house of lies, but also your brain needs cholesterol and a lot of it. So building a healthy brain, building healthy brain tissue uses tons of cholesterol, more than any other organ. It's 2% of your body's weight. Your brain is 2% of your body's weight and holds about 25% of the cholesterol in your entire body. And your brain has to make all of its own cholesterol from scratch. So whatever your blood cholesterols may be, that cholesterol will not help your brain. Cholesterol in your blood can't get past the blood brain barrier to enter your brain. But guess what does? Statins. Statins can get past the blood-brain barrier. That's how they block your brain's ability to make more cholesterol. Now, many companies make a statin. Some of the more popular brand names are Lipitor, Crestar, Crestor. Excuse me, Zocor. Um, the the generic name will also end. It will always end in statin, right? Simba statin. Um, each statin impacts your brain in a different way. So Zocor might give you headaches. Switching to Lipitor may make those headaches go away or vice versa. But the absence of pain does, shouldn't, shouldn't lull you into a, a sense of safety thinking that that drug is safe. Shrinking brain cells cause zero pain, but it does cause a loss of brain function. And losing brain function can sometimes cause, you know, obvious problems, immediate problems, like amnesia starting shortly, shortly after uh, starting the drug, or much less obvious problems um, that you just assume are part of normal aging, like forgetting where you put things, or walking into a room and forgetting why you were there. So as an example of uh, this brain function and how size matters to your brain, Um, there's a part of your brain called the hippocampus. And the bigger that part of the brain is, the better your ability to learn. The hippocampus helps you to form new memories. If your hippocampus shrinks, you lose the ability to learn. People with Alzheimer's, for example, they show a loss in volume in this area of the brain early on in the course of the disease. Now, without cholesterol, in a very similar way, the brain cells shrink and die. And there are studies of popular drugs like simvastatin, Um, And it shows that it actually prevents your brain from creating new memories. I'll also tell you that statins are learned are, are used in lab animals to create learning disabilities and memory disorders. Now, Full transparency, they use a much higher dose, right? So you won't slide into dementia with just a couple of months of taking a statin. But with cholesterol depletion, you are on the fast track to Alzheimer's. Taking statin speeds cognitive decline. It speeds cognitive decline even more in patients 65 or older. And remember, to what end? Because it does not prevent heart attack or stroke. Does not prevent it. And if brain issues weren't enough, statin side effects have real body side effects as well, body pain, for example, more than 20% of people report muscle weakness and aches. And those are studies on people who have been prescribed this medication. But we know in clinical practice that, you know, if you talk to doctors, PAs, NPs that prescribe statins regularly, we know that the incidence in practice seems to be much, much higher anecdotally than 20%. So Remember, again, statins have now been the most prescribed medication for the last 20 years, and we have seen zero meaningful reduction in the incidence of heart disease. So that tells us that, you know, at least correlates with um, the approach that we're taking is absolutely wrong. Now, I feel like I've said a whole lot of bad news, but there is some good news here. The good news is that stopping statins reverses many of the side effects, The bad news is the longer you've taken the statin, the more severe the damage and the longer it may take to recover lost function. So let's circle back to the first thing I asked you about your annual physical and that fancy set of numbers that your doctor gives each year. When your numbers are off. We need to look at why those numbers are off. We need to look at the root cause. And that involves assessing your lifestyle and nutrition. Unfortunately, there's just not time in the current medical model where doctors are able to spend an average of seven minutes with each patient. So it just can't be done in that time frame. Know that when your cholesterol levels are off, it is more about have you been ingesting higher levels of omega-6, ultra processed foods? Too much sugar, overeating in a single sitting, are you enzyme deficient? Do you have other drug residues that might be an issue? Are you drinking too much alcohol? Do you have a lack of movement? Is there some kind of liver issue going on? These are far more important than your cholesterol. And your cholesterol could be pointing to these things, or it could just be pointing to high cholesterol and a big brain, right? Again, the important part is, is the cholesterol oxidized or not? And those questions that I just asked, omega-6, processed foods, too much sugar, et cetera, those are all qualifiers that can tell us If that is oxidized LDL or not, it's critical and life-saving with cholesterol when you look at the whole picture and don't just assume that the cholesterol needs to come down. That's dangerous just to bring it down. And as I've mentioned throughout the episode, we don't have a way to do that, right? We can lower it a point or two, maybe 2%, maybe up to 10%, but we're not changing your cardiovascular risk by playing with that number on the lab report. The bottom line here is don't fall prey to the fear of cholesterol. That's the wrong thing to be afraid of. It's not going to help to lower your cholesterol number if you don't make other changes. Next week, we will talk all about how to make changes to make sure you're not oxidizing that LDL. We'll dive deep into that. We'll also talk about seed oils um, and what to do instead. So as always, thank you for listening. I hope you found this insightful and interesting. And hopefully it sparked a new level of interest in your health and wellness. Again, thank you for listening. And I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Root Cause Revolution podcast. Be sure and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated.